went over to my mom's. Okay. She saw the piercing in my nose. Uh-huh. I didn't mention it. <laughs> I was just wa- walking around living my life. And then all of a sudden I hear, Kiana Renee, what is that in your nose? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, mm, what? It's a, it's a piercing. And then she just started going off on me. She's like, it's nose piercing. I, I just think they're so disgusting disgusting you're gonna you have allergy problems and you got a nose piercing really can <laughs> just laid into me and then i was like okay mom i'm leaving uh-huh. and so i left and then went back last night uh-huh. and my uncle saw me for the first time mm-hmm. with the nose piercing and my uncle is chill yeah and i was and with him i went you like my nose piercing uh-huh. knowing my mom was an earshot because i was like oh she's gonna love this here we go and then she appears behind me in the kitchen, arms crossed. <laughs> in mom position. In mom position. And is like, can you believe she did that? And Bernard thought it was fake. And then I was like, no, look. And I like pushed it out. Uh-huh. And I was like, it's right through that nose there. Uh-huh. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And I was, and he was like, you're going to change it. Whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm probably going to put a hoop in it after it's all healed. And my mom's like, Kiana, Renee, you will not put a hoop in it. I can de- I can deal with this stud. I've come to grips with that. But if you put a hoop in it, I'm just going to think you look like a cow. <laughs> <laughs> you j- don't do it. And I was like, uh, <laughs> I'm going to put a hoop in it. And cows are cool. So. Right? <laughs> Thanks, mom. Uh, right? Oh, gosh. Oh, mothers. <laughs> mothers. My mom is a gem. She's a lot of... She is. She has a lot of, like, mother things to say. <laughs> like, Italian kiss. Yeah. The other day... I forget what we were talking about. Oh, smoking weed. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she was like... I don't know. I don't understand why people need to smoke weed. Like, I don't need to smoke weed. I can just go out in my garden and, like, plant things and weed and feel the exact same way. (laughs) (laughs) That was like Brenda. You sweet, sweet woman. (laughs) You've probably been high once, and it was back in the day when you were 20. Those aren't the same thing. They are not. We are in, we're living in a different time, mama. <laughs> oh my God. That's amazing. Mm. I, my, when I, so I, I was telling you about when I got my mm-hmm. first piercing and it was on a Saturday, came home. My mom didn't notice cause I had my hair in front of it. And then <laughs> we woke up and went to church the next morning and my mom goes, what is that? And I was like, oh, you noticed. <laughs> I was like, but we're at church and everyone's around, so you can't make a scene. I'll see you later, Mom. It's <laughs> a perfect place to drop. Anything. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was perfect. And it was my eyebrow, too. I did my nose later, and she could give a shit about that. But the eyebrow, she was like, Cassandra Marie. <laughs> He's like, mm, keep it on the DL, Mom. <laughs> Pastor Kevin's going to see you losing your shit. <laughs> you don't want God to think less of you. <laughs> I thought he was the only one who could judge us. <laughs> well, like Will Smith once said, parents just don't understand. <laughs> Perfect. This is That Broad's Got Moxie. Hello, everyone. Hi. This is Cassie. I'm Kiana. Danny's here. Mm-hmm. She's chilling, listening to our Has Danny our ever nonsense. had a piercing? Her ears. Just the ears. Okay. Just ears. No other piercings. No tattoos. She's my little vanilla bean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cute. I'm sorry. Ah, <laughs> uh, I can't help it. A new nickname. Vanilla mm-hmm. Bean. Vanilla <laughs> Bean. Oh, man. So, guys, today, mm-hmm. when this episode comes out, is officially one year. Hey. Oh, my gosh. I literally can't. It's my bra squeaking in the mic. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I can't believe it's been a year. Right? It feels like much longer. It does feel much longer. <laughs> like, it feels like we've been doing this for a while. Yeah. 
just yeah. a year. I had this realization in bed this morning while doing my homework and looked to Danny and I was like, I can't wrap my brain around the number of hours we have sat in this room and talked. Oh. And I was like, and the number of hours that Danny has spent editing mm-hmm. <laughs> and like farting around and time we've we've basically done a dissertation i we should go to a college and we talk should to them. <laughs> <laughs> let's i think we both deserve honorary master's degrees i mean and we should have phds honestly we know how easy it is to get into a graduation that's not yours <laughs> <laughs> so we can just show up true <laughs> be like no 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 my name should be on that list <laughs> Nobody's going to tell us no. <laughs> All right, here's the plan. It's it's February, so come May when PSU graduates, <laughs> you and I are getting doctorates. <laughs> you just got to order stuff on, like, Amazon. Exactly. And- Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> Graduations are so long, though. Oh, God. So, many, so much better things to do. Yeah. But I would like a doctorate. <laughs> Hanging on my wall. What'd you get a doctorate in? I don't know. Let me, let me, what does that say? <laughs> Women's studies. Uh, no, I know. Oh. <laughs> I thought you just couldn't think of the word for uh. what we've been doing. <laughs> it's pretty clearly we sit down. No, I was envisioning having just a diploma, like just draw, you know, draw one out of the bag. Oh. And it has my name on it and be like, I don't know. I should have it in women's studies, obviously, but mm-hmm. biology? Maybe. Who knows? Math. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you could pick up Danny's (laughs) chortle. Yeah, that's exactly what that was. (laughs) At the idea that Cassie would have a PhD in math. (laughs) It's comedy. Straight up, for sure. (laughs) You had to point it out. Mm -hmm. Shut up. Anyway. We've covered a lot of women yeah we have most of them real yeah a couple of them and there are still so many that i want to cover oh my that we haven't. i can't even i look at this list of after this episode it'll be 55 this is episode 55 mm-hmm. and i have another i have two years i could go through and make another list for the next two years of people that i want to cover yeah same I'm absolutely, like, shook. It's crazy. Floored. There have been so many women in history. Yeah, there have. And we don't ever talk about them. We don't. Half these women I hadn't heard of before. Exactly. Half is being generous, too, in terms of, like, underestimating. Mm -hmm. Was that clear? Yes. (laughs) I got it. Did you get it? Who knows? Real roundabout way to say what I wanted to say. (laughs) Reflecting. Looking back. (laughs) That's what reflecting is. I know, I was going for like a thesaurus moment. Okay. (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. Reminiscing. Danny should have said it into a mic. God damn it. (laughs) We really just need to get you a mic. So, odds... That's you first? Me That's first. you first. Oh. It's always you first. We have Actually, this discussion every episode. We have this discussion every other episode. Every other episode. You- <laughs> because I'm good at math. Yes, exactly. So, it's still February. Indeed. And I am going to be talking about a woman named Mary Fields. Mary Fields. Okie dokie. And my sources for her today are Encyclopedia Britannica... An article called Meet Stagecoat Mary, the daring black pioneer who protected Wild West stagecoaches. Ooh. Um, a website called blackcowboys.com and an article called The Life and Legend of Mary Fields. Perfect. So, here we go. Okay, I'm ready. Not much is known about the early life of Mary Fields because she was born into slavery in 1832, so many of the details of her life were never recorded. Even her exact birthplace is up in the air, but it's likely that she was born in Hickman County, Tennessee. Okie dokie. 
It's also recorded that Mary Field celebrated her birthday on March 15th, though it's unclear if this was the actual date of her birth or just something that she picked up as like a, this day is my birthday <laughs> She's now. like, Mary Field's day. Yeah. March 15th. <laughs> According to one biographer, Fields' mother was a house slave and her father was a field slave. And then, obviously, she was Mm -hmm. born into slavery. However, eventually Mary gained her freedom after the Civil War and made the move to Mississippi, where she worked on a steamboat as a chambermaid. Chambermaid does not sound fun. Steamboat sounds like a great time. (laughs) Have you ever been on a steamboat? Very fun. I don't think I've been on many boats. (laughs) I've been on a paddle boat. Uh-huh. A canoe and a ferry. Oh, okay. That's it. Yeah. I like boats. <laughs> <laughs> the ferry was the worst one. Oh yeah. It was a real hard night, so we were Ooh. sloshing around. Gross. I was just trying to read. Oh, we were you know why it was so bad? Why? Sloshing around on our way back from Ireland. Oh. After St. Patty's full of beer weekend. <sighs> just hung over. Yeah, that sounds like a bad time. Oh, God. I'd do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. So this steamboat Mm -hmm. was named the Robert E. Lee. Big big yikes. Big yikes. Uh, (laughs) So much eyebrows in that. (laughs) Huge yikes. (laughs) And on the boat where she was working as a chambermaid, Mary met a man named Judge Edmund Dune and eventually left the steamboat and became a servant in his household for a bit. Mm. Um, however, sometime in the 1870s, Mary left that household and moved to work at the Ursuline Convent in Toledo, Ohio. Oh. Though Mary was literate, mm-hmm. she never recorded why she made this move, nor could any other records um, found explain for sure why she did this. Uh-huh. A few people think that she made the move to be closer to one of her childhood friends named Mother Amadeus, which is just the coolest shit. <laughs> Mother Amadeus. Uh, Amadeus. Amadeus. (laughs) We're starting a new career. We are going to be a Weird Al Yankovic uh, cover band. And it's going to be called Mother Amadeus. Yeah, it is. What was I talking about? Mother Amadeus. Okay, so it's not fully acknowledged that she knew Mother Amadeus beforehand, Mm -hmm. but they did become really close friends at the convent. Okay. For sure. Although some argue that they knew each other prior to. Gotcha. Okay, okay. Mother Amadeus was the mother superior at the convent, and Mary was just pretty much the groundskeeper of the land. She would do the maintenance and repair work all around the area and was doing the gardening and laundry as well. Oh. She was also responsible for ferrying in supplies from nearby towns to the mission. Later, Mother Amadeus was called to take a position at St. Peter's Convent in what was to become Cascade, Montana, mm-hmm. so further west oh, into the wild. That's um, a big trip. Yeah. Holy moly. Yeah. And it's like, this is like the time of the Wild West. Mm-hmm. So she went to the convent mm-hmm. in Montana. In 1884, the next year after she had left... The Toledo Convent had sent a request to the Toledo Convent to send more people to Montana because it was struggling. Gotcha. Not enough people were there. We can't run this thing with three nuns. Right, exactly. (laughs) And so Mary Fields was one of the people who decided to travel upriver with other nuns to the new convent. Mm -hmm. While there, she worked at the mission, raising chickens, growing vegetables, and freighting supplies from the nearby town again pretty much the same same deal Mm -hmm. um shortly after arriving in montana mother amadeus became ill with pneumonia and mary like pretty much gave up her duties and went about nursing mother amadeus back to health and then when she was good again Mm -hmm. mary went back out and continued her work nice now despite her devotion to mother amadeus and the rest of the convent that she took care of Mm -hmm. she was not a nun Oh, important to know. Okay. Nor was she devout at all (laughs) to the man upstairs. (laughs) She's like, okay, so she's, she just was like helping there. Yeah. But not because she had gone through the whole 
pomp and circumstance of of like becoming a nun and doing that whole thing. Exactly. Which is also oh. why I was confused. There was some question of like, why did she move to a convent? She's not a yeah. nun. She just was like, yeah, I'm into this. And okay. was like friends with all of the women at the Look, convent. if I could raise chickens and just grow a garden and take care of some nuns, maybe it wouldn't be too bad. That's it's, it's the whole religion with a capital R thing that I'd be like, <laughs> ooh. But, and she wasn't a part of that. Sure. She, in fact, was maybe the opposite. She was one tough cookie, I'll tell you what. Love her already. She was about six feet tall, 200 pounds. She's stacked. Built like a shit brick house. Shit brick house. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She, because she was so much bigger in stature than Mm -hmm. women at the time, she had to wear men's clothes, Mm -hmm. but she was more comfortable doing it anyways because she was doing a bunch of, like, field work and stuff. Exactly. So she would wear the clothes of men, including a wool cap and boots. Sassy. Yeah. And she wore a revolver that was strapped underneath her apron. Oh! (laughs) So she had her apron on. She was business. Yeah, I'm taking care of the nuns. Pulled out a gun. The fuck you say? (laughs) That was her gig. She's got to protect her carrots and her nuns and her chickens. And her chickens. <laughs> Look at all those chickens. Look at all those chickens. It's my favorite vine. <laughs> it's funny because they're geese. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so, adding on to Mary's badassness mm-hmm. she had a standing bet with others in montana that she could knock out any man with one punch but and like if she didn't uh-huh. she would owe them a dime okay but everybody knew that she could knock somebody out with one punch so nobody questioned her <laughs> and so she didn't get any money from it boo <laughs> and by order of the mayor of cascade montana and the uh-huh. surrounding areas she was the only woman of quote reputable character that was allowed to drink in, in, in the local bars. Oh shit! <laughs> so she was often spotted smoking cigars in public and like to argue with like everyone, everyone about politics. <laughs> oh gosh, she was what a gem, a wild woman. <laughs> now, perhaps others should have known not to argue with her because she had a quick temper. She got into a number of gunfights. Oh, that revolver always. Oh. Stay strapped, Mary. That uh-huh. was that's a quote from her. Not actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she got into a number of gunfights with men, and one gunfight is believed to have been caused because a man objected to taking orders from Mary because she was with, oh. mm-hmm. he was like, I'm not taking orders from you and then he also didn't like that she was being paid more than him. Uh-huh. And so Mary took out her gun real quick mm-hmm. and taught him about respect in the old west <laughs> and dealt with that right right away <laughs> pew pew <laughs> and although she was a tough cookie mm-hmm. she was also extremely thoughtful and loyal and she would handle she like really took care of the nuns and loved all of them uh-huh. and would haul critical supplies for the convent from the town to the to the like remote area where they were yeah and she alone handled everything, no matter the weather or the road conditions. Oh, wow. And one specific night, this is another tale of Mary, mm-hmm. a pack of wolves spooked her horses and the wagon completely overturned. And for the whole night, Mary stood outside the cart with her gun, protecting the food and supplies from the wolves who oh were trying gosh. to get it all night because she knew how much they needed it for survival. Damn. Also, I would like to reiterate, this is in Montana. Have you ever been to Montana? No. It's big and open and fucking wild. Yeah. Like, it's the last frontier (laughs) in 2020. (laughs) Like, there's nothing there. It's gorgeous and stunning. But it's, like, vast with very little around. Yeah. And they're Shit. one of those places that we've talked about before with, like, extreme snow. Yes. So she was doing all of this year-round. That oh includes hip-deep in snow. That's a bad time. And that's... She's Jeez. six foot tall. That's three feet. <laughs> <laughs> that's half of her. That's math, baby. <laughs> 
a man named Father Landsmith visited the convent once. Father, mm-hmm. as in, ah, okay, God, um, and was absolutely charmed by Mary, which surprised people because he was a father. Mm-hmm. While he was there, Mary insisted on telling everybody about her battle with a skunk that had invaded her <laughs> chicken coop and okay. killed it killed like 60 baby chicks oh my gosh and she dragged the dead skunk with her for a mile to display it and like show people like look what i fucking did skunk's not gonna mess with me and then the sisters were like oh my god how did you avoid getting s- sprayed uh-huh she was like man i Attacked him from the front, obviously. <laughs> Don't have to worry about skunk skunk mess when you're in the front. <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> Duh. Here, go head to head with him, not hail to tail. <laughs> right, exactly. Just gotta keep rotating, you know? I like to imagine that Keep she, your feet moving. She was like six foot tall, 200 foot woman, just like dancing around in a circle around the skunk while it was like circling. She's like, gotta, gotta attack from the front. Gotta get him from the front. <laughs> and she did it. And she did it. And had to tell everybody. And was like, obviously Look, you attack him from the front. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying, if I single-handedly like took care of business, I'd be like, trophy. I'm making a skunk hat, everyone. <laughs> Like, especially, well, not now, but like, no, no, I'm saying like, oh, that would have been cute. It would have been cute, right? (laughs) Like Wild West style. Mm -hmm. like For my fallen chickens. Exactly. (laughs) Put that on your head. For my homies. (laughs) This convent was starting to build up at this time. And so they moved from log cabins that they were staying in into Mm -hmm. a new stone building. Oh, hello. And Fields personally moved the possessions of Mother Superior Amadeus. Mm, yeah, love that name. I love do it too. Gosh, I feel like it's the name of like a band. Yeah, Mother Superior Amadeus. Well, we just said we're gonna have a Weird Al Yankovic cover band. Yeah, so yeah, and that's what it's called. Yeah, yeah, we just did that. We. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Short-term memory, right? <laughs> Gotta give that noodle a break. (laughs) This noodle's cooked. It's flopping around. I don't know which way is what. There's no frontal attack going on in this. Don't know which way I'm going in. Fields continued to live here for 10 years and probably would have stayed there for the rest of her life if she was allowed to. However, this bitch, Mm. the Bishop of Montana Diocese, that guy, ordered... That Mary had to be let go because of her ungodly ways. Ugh. Fine. Right. Are you going to defend the entire convent and attack skunks? I don't think so, Bishop. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> Up. <laughs> the nuns who were loyal to Mary fought to keep her around, but they were forced to relent. Mary was devastated, but decided to stay in the area so mm. that she can be close to them. She tried her hand in the food industry and became a restaurateur. That's okay. not what that's not what the article said. It said she opened a few eateries, and I was like, "Nah, <laughs> nah, nah, <laughs> nah." She's a restaurateur. <laughs> but ultimately, these enterprises failed because she would allow people to eat at the restaurants who couldn't afford to eat, and so she oh. herself went broke. Now, looking for something to do again, Mary was briefly stuck. But then Mother Amadeus reached out to Mary. Mm-hmm. And was like, hey, here's a loan. You should get a star mail route between Cascade and the convent. Oh. And this mail route made her the first ever black woman to work for the United States Post Office. That's amazing. Yeah. And to be very clear, she wasn't like an employee of the U.S. Postal Service, but she was rather... Like, she bought some shares in the company. Sure. It's sort of how it was. So star routes were contracts that the post office sold, mm-hmm. that people bought, and then they were in charge of that mail route. Yeah. And they didn't always have to be the people delivering the mail, but once the contract was obtained, a contractor could then do it themselves, sublet the route, or hire a driver. Mm. Mary, badass, mm-hmm. was like, I'm going to do this all myself. I've already been doing shit all my life. I'm going to keep yeah, doing it. Yeah, she needs something to keep her occupied. Exactly. 
And so she started doing the deliveries, and this is when she earned herself the nickname Stagecoach Mary. Oh, I love it. She was known for her reliability and speed, and the route itself was 15 miles, and she would do it rain or shine, or snow, or sleet. Good for her. Damn. Damn. (laughs) Not only that, she did get into a few gunslinging matches, because outlaws would often try and steal Mm -hmm. the supplies and mail from her during the route. But her and her, <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> she, her big iron on her hip <laughs> said no. <laughs> yeah. They uh, clearly did not know who they were messing with. Exactly. Well, and also Mary at this time was 62. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so they were like, oh, here's an old woman. Let's steal from her. <laughs> Nuh-uh. Mm, bitch. <laughs> you, you didn't know. You didn't realize. I'm stagecoach Mary. Right? <laughs> now fucking kill you. <laughs> I'm about to ruin your goddamn day. Um, and she loved doing the mail route because it led to the convent. Mm-hmm. So she was able to see all of the people she, she had spent She gets to go and see years. her besties every day. Yeah. Every, she spent 10 years living there. Mm-hmm. She was with Mother Amadeus for longer. Mm-hmm. She still got to see him every day, and I think that's great. That is. And she continued to do the this mailing route for eight years. In 1903, however, her longtime friend and mentor, Mother Amadeus, um, was sent to Alaska to establish another mission there. Heavens to Betsy. She was the woman who they called. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> when they needed church in bad <laughs> right terrain. <laughs> they're like, well, you've survived thus far. Let's go put you in some more goddamn snow. Right, let's just, let's see how far we can push you. <laughs> she also might have, she also had to have been like... 70 or something yeah. this time. I mean, that's how that's how old Mary is. Yeah, exactly. Good Lord. They're just doing... St- I can't... I couldn't file... You can't function in snow. <laughs> I couldn't file stuff today... Not today. Yesterday in the mm-hmm. office because my hip hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 23. <laughs> I could never do this. I'm not cut out for this. No stagecoach mail delivery for you. No. I'm sorry. I can't. I'm not even Mother Amadeus. <laughs> so, Mother Amadeus was sent away, and the woman who succeeded her as Mother Superior in Montana was nice and ni- like kind to Mary, mm-hmm. but Mary like was still reminded that her friend was gone every time she went. Yeah. So she was like, meh. I'm going to give it up now. Yeah. And so she was 70 at this time when she decided to settle down into town life. <laughs> to retire? Uh, not really. So oh, she, sake. she was 70 and was like, I'm going to start a laundry service. And also babysat children in the area when people Aww. needed to go out and do stuff. She also continued to drink in saloons and became like a beloved figure in Cascade. Uh-huh. The people of Cascade thought so much of her that on her birthday, they would close the local school in her honor, and then all the kids would go to her house, and there would be, like, treats and candy and stuff. Oh, my God. That's so sweet. Yeah. Ugh. (laughs) To be clear, she did not mellow out. (laughs) (laughs) One day, while drinking in a local bar, she spotted a man walking by on the street. She stepped outside Mm -hmm. for a better look. She's like, who's this man? Realized it was somebody who owed her $2 <laughs> for an unpaid laundry bill. So she followed him down the street, grabbed him by the shirt that she cleaned, and then punched him. She decked the shit out of him. <laughs> and then she went back into the bar and was like, his laundry bill is paid now. <laughs> She's over 70. Holy shit. <laughs> She's still beating people up. Uh, In 19 dead dead <laughs> in 1910 this is even when she dies in 1910 <laughs> in 1910 a man named rb glover leased uh the new cascade hotel and a stipulation of him opening the hotel in the town mm-hmm. was that all meals for mary were going to be offered free of charge for the rest of her life what yeah that's amazing <laughs> She's like, I suddenly have a ton of packages to send. <laughs> uh, Charlie Russell, who is a cowboy artist, lived in Cascade for a brief time and featured Mary in his um, pen and ink drawings. Mm. And it was called A Quiet Day in Cascade, which shows her being knocked down by a hog and spilling a basket of chicken eggs. 
<laughs> Shit. That sounds like a rough day. Not a <laughs> Right. <laughs> that was just a day in the life for Mary. Oof. In 1912, her laundry business and home burned down, unfortunately. But then the townspeople gathered together and built her a new home. Um, it was also this point in her life she adopted the baseball team as her own. What? And so each game she prepared bouquets of flowers for each player to have. And they were flowers from her own garden. And then would bring larger bouquets uh-huh. that she would reserve for when people hit a home run. Oh, and if if anybody was caught saying some shit about the local team in her presence, they could expect this was a quote from one of the articles uh-huh. could expect a bouquet of knuckles in his face. <laughs> Mary was getting pretty old at this point and sensing that she was close to death in 1914. She didn't want to be a burden to her friends anymore and like went away into the tall weeds uh-huh. near her house with some blankets and was, like, going to die alone. Uh. But then four brothers playing nearby found her, and she had babysat all of them. Mm-hmm. And they were like, no. <laughs> and so they got her and took her to the hospital, mm-hmm. and then there she died a few days later. Oh. But she was around people that loved her. <laughs> um. Kathy's going to cry <laughs> at everything all the time. Um, she was buried in a small cemetery alongside the road between Cascade and the convent because Aww. it was the star route mail mm-hmm. carrier path Aww. that she had. Fields is a badass. Yeah. And in her life transcended the traditional like gender roles for women of that era. Yeah. And she never married. And she never depended on the church for, like, mm-hmm. support. Like, she was really taking care of herself, taking care of everybody. Oh, my gosh. Handy with a gun, she smoked, drank, and swore, and took men's jobs <laughs> delivering mail. <laughs> and that was her life. Oh, what a fucking amazing woman. What a good story. I got a little right. just a tear. <laughs> one one guys. I other than that single tear. Just a single tear drop. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I thought she was cool. Yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> Look. I love stagecoach Mary. <laughs> That's what a great story. Thank you. Thank you. So who are you talking about? Today I am gonna talk about Ava DuVernay. Oh, wow. Because oh, she's great. She's so great. <laughs> she's incredible. But it kind of, I was like, there. first of all, I was going to talk about Harriet Tubman, and I was like, I can't wrap my brain around this right now. That's a lot. It's a whole lot. It's just the most. <laughs> she's one of those people that when we do her, it's going to be a lot of time spent yes. looking yeah. into that. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, Ava DuVernay has like... An incredible resume. She's amazing. But also she's still alive. (laughs) Which is something that we don't talk about a lot. We talk about Mm -hmm. lots of women in the past or who are really old right now. Yeah. But I was like, you know what? I want to spotlight someone who is, she's really in the, you know. Mm -hmm. In In her heyday. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, leading up to it. We don't even know what's We don't even know. Because everything... Every, I feel like every project she has is just getting bigger and, and elevates bigger. her more. Yeah. Yeah. She's making a hell of an impact. Yeah. She, it's also a little bit scary, though, to talk about somebody who's alive. <laughs> because I'm like, oh, if I get something wrong or I miscommunicate something, then I'm like, oh, well, they can tell me. <laughs> I mean, Ava DuVernay, if I say something wrong and you want to yell at me, please do. I'd love to hear from you. (laughs) Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. Okay. So, Ava Marie DuVernay was born on August 24th, 1972 in Long Beach, California. She was raised by her mother, Darlene, who is a teacher, and her stepfather, Murray. The surname of her biological father, DuVernay originates with Louisiana Creole ancestry. 
I was like, mm. oh, that's fun. Yeah. She grew up in Linwood, California, which is near Compton. And she has four brothers and sisters. As a child, her Aunt Denise fostered a love of art in her, but also showed her that art and activism could be combined. Um, her mother was also very socially conscious, and together the two women taught her that, quote, you could say something through the arts. Uh, during her summer vacations, she would travel to the childhood home of her father, which was not far from Selma, Alabama. Mm -hmm. And Ava said that these summers influenced the making of Selma because her father had witnessed the 1965 march from Selma to Montgomery. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which I was like, oh, God, it gave me goosebumps, like, reading about this. Growing up in California in the 1980s, I bet was a time. <laughs> <laughs> the shortest shorts and biggest hair you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. um, Ava had an interest in rhyming and hip hop. In 1990, she graduated from St. Joseph High School in Lakewood, and then she went on to study at UCLA, uh, where she earned a double BA major in English Literature and African American Studies. Hmm. She is an honorary member of Alpha Kelpa. Alpha Kelpa? That's a, from Spongebob. <laughs> That's if, if Spongebob wanted to do a... <laughs> A parody of frat houses. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Let me try that again. Ava is an honorary member of Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority. A.K.A. Um, yes. Oh. <laughs> That's good. Oh, very good. You're so clever. I, I, was, I was like, oh, no, am I supposed to know the answer to this? <laughs> Oh my gosh. I just thought it was fun and wanted to point it out, but realized it came out as more of a question. It did. It really did. And I was <laughs> But like, I'm glad Danny picked up what I was She's putting. look. Somebody did, thank goodness, because I was confused. This is the same sorority as last week's Broad with Moxie, Katherine Johnson. Okay. So she is in good company in AKA. <laughs> gosh, it's so clever. Um I feel like a doofus. <laughs> like, AKA what? <laughs> what do you know that I don't? I studied this. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Ava's first interest was in journalism. And she was, like, highly influenced, you know, to, like, pursue that. Because she had an internship with CBS News. Hmm. She was assigned to help cover the O.J. Simpson murder trial. In 1995. Unfortunately, Ava became disillusioned with journalism. <laughs> it's a, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like pretty big case. Yeah. And like, like ooh, real contentious. And yeah. So she was like, maybe this is not great. Yeah. And so she decided to move into public relations and worked as a junior publicist at 20th Century Fox. Savoy Pictures, and a couple of other PR agencies. In 1999, she opened her own public relations firm mm -hmm. called the DuVernay Agency, which specialized in movie marketing for African-American audiences. Hmm. Yeah. So she's, I mean, she's already. Yeah. She graduated from college and she's on it. already like boop, 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 dipping her toe in a bunch of different things. Um, while on the set of the 2004 thriller Collateral, Ava felt inspired to start making her own films. So in 2005, over Christmas, she decided to take $6,000 and make her first film, which was a short called Saturday Night Life. Based on her mother's experiences, the 12-minute film was about an uplifting trip by a struggling single mother, played by Melissa DeSouza, and her three kids to a local discount grocery store. Hmm. The film toured the festival circuit and was broadcast on February 6th, 2007, as part of Showtime's Black Filmmaker Showcase. The next step in Ava's filmmaking journey was documentaries. 
because they can be done on a smaller budget. (laughs) (laughs) And she could also learn more about filmmaking on the job. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure she fit right in. Because she, I mean, had a yes. hand in journalism. And- exactly. They they really go hand in hand. Yeah. In 2007, she directed the short Compton in C Minor. And the following year, uh, she made her feature directorial debut with an alternative hip-hop documentary called This Is Life. That same year, she did a documentary called My Mic Sounds Nice, The Truth About Women in Hip-Hop. Hmm. That was then on, it aired on uh, BET. Mm-hmm. I think there's a activist that I like a lot. Her mm-hmm. name is Feminista Jones. Yes. And she has, I think, her PhD in, like, hip-hop studies. That's very cool. And I think she's, like, highly recommended that. I Probably. think I've heard of that I, before. I've seen... Not from Ava, but from somebody else. Yeah. I've seen parts of it. I don't think I've seen the whole thing, but I took a... I took a hip hop dance class mm-hmm. at community college. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you, your face, you felt so like, it felt like you were so ashamed. I'm not ashamed, but it is. It's, I don't want you to be ashamed. <laughs> I wanted you to say, yeah, I took a hip hop dance class in community college. Look, I don't want anybody to think I'm a poser. <laughs> because I tell you what, when we had our dance showcase at the end of the season, it was a whole bunch of dorky white girls like me <laughs> trying to pop and lock. And I had to invite Danny to come to it. <laughs> was it great? Danny said it was great. Look, I feel like I really learned a lot in that class. Maybe not necessarily dance techniques, but I learned a lot about rap and hip hop mm-hmm. as a cultural movement. And it was very fascinating. <laughs> okay. <laughs> On Thanksgiving... In 2010, the premiere of Ava's documentary special, it was called Essence Presents Faith Through the Storm, which was about two black sisters who reclaimed their lives after the devastating effects of Hurricane Katrina. Mm -hmm. So that was also a huge, very critically acclaimed documentary. In 2011, Ava's first narrative feature film called I Will Follow so drama starring Sally Richardson Whitfield was released in the theater, which is a huge deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, people people are going to pay to go see this? Right. In a theater? This is in exciting. a theater? Yeah, in a theater. <laughs> uh, the film cost her $50,000 and was made in 14 days. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Intense. Yeah. Roger Ebert called it, quote, one of the best films I've seen about coming to terms with the death of a loved one. Wow. Yeah. I Will Follow was an official selection of AFI Fest, Pan-African Film Festival, Urban World, which is another film festival, and the Chicago International Film Festival. In the summer of 2011... Ava began production on her second narrative feature film called The Middle of Nowhere, and the film had its world premiere on January 20th at the 2012 Sundance Film Festivals. The film won for Best Directing in a Dramatic category, Mm -hmm. and she became the first African-American woman to win the prize. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 2012. Um, She also won the 2012 Independent Spirit Award for her work on Middle of Nowhere. Throughout the late 2013 into early 2014, Ava directed Selma. Selma was a $20 million budget dramatic film about the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., President Lyndon B. Johnson, and the 1965 Selma to Montgomery March for Voting Rights. Selma was released on Christmas Day in 2014 to critical acclaim. Ava made history with the work by becoming the first African-American woman to receive a Golden Globe nomination for Best Director. Selma was nominated for Best Picture and Best Original Song, but not for Best Director, at the 2014 Academy Awards. The lack of diversity... Surprise! (laughs) Exactly. 
the lack of diversity among the Oscar nominations for 2014 was the subject of much bad press, mm-hmm. much like this year's hashtag Oscars so white. Mm-hmm. That's it started. Yeah, that started. I feel like in 2014. I'm sure it did. Yeah, it happens every year. Oscars. It does happen every year. Oscar Partic- still hasn't picked up on it. Yeah, uh, the man, Oscar, <laughs> that little gold man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he doesn't know he's racist <laughs> and sexist. <laughs> Take him to school. <laughs> Selma was the only one, the the only film directed by a person of color. That was even nominated for that year's awards. The film did win the award for Best Original Song for Glory, mm-hmm. which is beautiful. It's by John Legend and mm-hmm. Common, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Ava said that she had not expected to be nominated for Best Director. Uh, she was really disappointed that David Oyelowo... O- 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 hmm. yeah, can... Somebody help me out. <laughs> You know you're not going to get any support over here. <laughs> oh, yellow woe. It's, see? It's a tricky one. Every word is tricky for me. I it said is. 19. I said 19 dead 20 minutes ago. <laughs> That's true. Okay. <laughs> Where was I? Oh, yeah. She was disappointed that actor David Oyelowo, who portrayed Dr. King, was not nominated as best actor. Mm-hmm. Because that is how systematic racism works. <laughs> it's what happens when all of your judges are old white men. Amen. Some real... Oscar. Bullshit. <laughs> Oscar, get your shit together. God. In July 2016, the New York Film Festival made a surprise announcement that 13th, which was a documentary directed by Ava, would open the festival. Which apparently was a huge surprise. (laughs) It was like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Centered on race in the United States criminal justice system, the film is titled after the 13th Amendment, Mm -hmm. which outlawed slavery. Mm -hmm. Uh, The documentary opens with the statement that 25% of the people in the world who are incarcerated are incarcerated in the U.S., And it argues that slavery has been effectively perpetuated in the U.S. through disproportionate mass incarceration of people of color. Mm-hmm. I forget where I was. This was either in Idaho or it was in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. at one of the historical penitentiaries. Uh-huh. They have an exhibit on... Not an exhibit. It was a, a sculpture. Mm-hmm. And it was like a bar graph. Mm-hmm. And it showed... How incarceration has gone up since the 13th Amendment was ratified. Uh-huh. And then it also shows on the side of the bar graph mm-hmm. um, the rates at which people are incarcerated in each country. Uh-huh. And then on another one, death penalty oh. in each country. And it, like, explains everything. It's a really, like, That's cool thing to look at. Yeah. And to, like, stand below it. It, like, mm-hmm. goes, it's super high. Like, it's super tall structure. Wow. So it's like, oh, my God. And then there's a lot of space left uh-huh. for, like, another bar because they're going to do, they're going to add to it. Oh, wow. In maybe this year, maybe 2020. Probably. I think it's in Pennsylvania. Okay. I'm going to have to look up that. Look yeah. that up. Look that up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's really crazy. Can't I can't even imagine because the numbers are so goddamn staggering. Mm-hmm. To, to to see it on a piece of paper mm-hmm. and see how ridiculously disproportionate these things are, but then to stand in front of, like, a physical thing yeah. to demonstrate that, I bet it's fucking wild. Mm-hmm. And if I'm remembering correctly, it does have, I think it marks where it's, like, white people, people of color. Yeah. Because, obviously, people of color are incarcerated at higher rates than mm-hmm. white people are. I'll have to find it. I'll see if yeah. I can find it, and we'll post it on, on the Insta. Yeah. Th- so 13th features a bunch of prominent activists, politicians, and public figures. This is Angela Davis, Van Jones, Cory Booker, and a bunch of others who discuss issues such as convict leasing, the war on drugs, disproportionate arrests, and convictions and sentencing of minorities. So 13th was released 
in October of 2016 on Netflix and garnered acclaim from film critics and has a 97% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Damn. Yeah. Angela Davis, who is, she's an author mm-hmm. and an activist and she's, she's a, a voice and, of, you know. Yeah. Iconic figure. Yeah. Of, yeah. Um, she said, quote, 13th is probably the most important movie you'll ever see. Which is, those are some big fucking words. Mm-hmm. That's that's just incredible. In 2017, the film was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature. Ava became the first black woman to be nominated by the Academy as a director in the feature category. Mm-hmm. So, this she didn't win. <laughs> surprise, <Yeah>. surprise. <laughs> but she was the, it was the first time a black woman's ever been nominated. Yeah. The film also won a Peabody Award and a Columbia Journalism School DuPont Award. Hmm. Ava was commissioned by the Smithsonian's National Museum of African American History and Culture to create a film about African American history. So the, the film is called August 28th, A Day in the Life of a People. It explores six different, like, significance that events that happened on the same date throughout history Mm. which is wild yeah that is let me tell you what they are okay so it is 22 minutes Mm -hmm. okay and it talks about william the fourth's royal ascent to the uk slavery abolition act in 1833 Mm -hmm. okay the 1955 lynching of emmett till in mississippi Mm. The release of Motown's first number one song, Please Mr. Postman. (laughs) The 1963 I Have a Dream speech. The landfall of Hurricane Katrina in 2005. And the night Senator Barack Obama accepted the Democratic nomination for president at the DNC. Wow. Right? I have goosebumps. (laughs) Just like all six of these things happened on the same day. In different years, I yeah. was like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. It's and that's such a that's such a cool right way to lay out because like you told me the Smithsonian commissioned her to do a video on Afri- <laughs> African American history. It's like that's a big fucking ask. It sure all is of history. It sure is. <laughs> And that's such a complex thing. Yeah. And to so succinctly find, like, six major events, mm-hmm. celebratory, sad, like... Yeah. The whole gamut on one day and to... Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> I don't know who all worked on it. I haven't seen it. But now that I know about it, I'm like, mm-hmm. how? how? Like, yeah. so much research clearly went into this and... It it's just it's absolutely fascinating. I I've seen quite a few of Ava's stuff, uh-huh. and all of them thoughtful. Absolutely, like, she's the most thoughtful, articulate. Mm-hmm. She can e- express so many things, and she's amazing. She truly is. She truly is. Let's see, where are we? Oh, so this was. A kind of a new thing. Ava embarked on a whole new adventure in late 2016 with the Disney film A Wrinkle in Time. Oh yeah, which I loved. We went and saw it in the theater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the book is great. It's by Madeline Lingell. Also read that, <laughs> and truly, truly stunning. Ava is the first woman of color to direct a live action film. With a budget of over a hundred million dollars. Wow. Yeah. And she's only the second woman, period, end of story, to have directed a film with that big of a budget, only after Patty Jenkins, who did it first with Wonder Woman. Wow. Yeah. That's... I'm real happy for her, but also it's just like, damn, how many big budget shitty movies... (laughs) Right? Have there been that weren't afforded to minority groups? Mm-hmm. 
but also damn damn is right yeah uh the film a wrinkle in time was released in march 2018 and brought in 33 million dollars its opening weekend it was second at the box office behind black panther so march 2018 was (laughs) killing it for people of color like I think I remember something on Twitter that was like, Black History Month hasn't ended. Exactly. <laughs> like March exactly. Yes. Yes, exactly. Ava went on to create a TV show on the OWN network, which is the Oprah Winfrey network. It's called Queen Sugar, which is now in its fourth season. It's a series based on um, a 2014 novel mm-hmm. written by Natalie Bazile. And then, after that, most recently, Danny watched it. I couldn't. I'm going to, though. Mm-hmm. Ava went on to create the incredibly heartbreaking Netflix series, When They See Us. If you haven't seen it yet, which I haven't, but mm-hmm. Danny told me about it, and I caught bits of it. I was like, ooh, I'm a little tender right now. I, I don't think I can watch that, because it is truly heartbreaking. Yeah. It's based on events... Of the 1989 Central Park jogger case and explores the lives and families of the five male suspects who were falsely accused mm-hmm. and then prosecuted on charges for rape and assault of a woman in Central Park mm-hmm. in New York City. Yeah. And they were... If, they people, are now called the exonerated five. Y- yeah. But also, I was going to say, to be clear, yeah. people who don't know the case, these were children. Yes. They're... F- Anywhere from, like, like, 14, and I think the oldest one was 17. Yeah. They were children that were targeted and harassed by police. And mm-hmm. A very important It's incredibly story important. To tell. It's devastating. And happens so often. Yeah. 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 Which, which is why I was, like, I listened to a podcast um, where they kind of broke down the show and talked about it, and I, I was just, like, oh, I need to... It, yeah, I was mm-hmm. like, this is, this is a lot. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't know if you're going to mention this or not, Tell but me. Isis, I think her last name is King. She's a model and actress now mm-hmm. um, and trans activist. They casted an actual trans woman in When They See Us. Oh, did I know that? I don't remember if I knew that. And they, it was, I'm really like Isis uh-huh. and she's, I follow her on Instagram and it was like, when all this was coming out, it was a really big discussion that her and Ava had uh-huh. because it was pre-transition. Oh. And, but it was extremely important that they tell that story uh-huh. from the perspective of a trans person with somebody who understands that playing the role. I didn't know that. Yeah. So oh, I wow. just Another, That's another great reason addendum. to watch. Yeah, absolutely. That show. Thank you. So Ava was not only the showrunner, she was also co-writer, executive producer, and director. And in June of 2019, so it came out in May, mm-hmm. just this past May, and in June, Netflix announced that the miniseries had, had been streamed by over 23 million viewers within its first month. That's one month, 23 million viewers. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It also received a record number of 16 nominations for Emmy Awards for writing, directing, and acting for a whole bunch of the stars and supporting actors. In addition to all of her filmmaking endeavors, she's also been involved in community and activism. She founded the African American Film Festival Releasing Movement, which was her own company, to distribute films made by or focusing on black people. Uh, The company then rebranded itself with the name Array, and she tweets about it all the time. And it promised a new focus on women filmmakers as well. Hmm. So, intersectionality. An an array. An array. Exactly. Wow. Exactly, I know. (laughs) And Ava, along with... Producer Dan Lin and the L.A. mayor, Eric Garcetti, launched the Evolve Entertainment Fund. And the fund's mission is to promote inclusion and provide an opportunity for underserved communities to pursue a dream in the entertainment industry. 
Ava has won many awards and honors, including the Dorothy Arzner Director's Award, the Smithsonian Magazine's American Ingenuity Award, Mm -hmm. and she won Entertainer of the Year at the 49th NAACP Image Awards, which is a big deal. Yeah. There is now also something called the DuVernay Test, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is the essentially the race equivalent to the Bechdel Test. Mm-hmm. And this was kind of coined by a New York Times film critic called Manola Dargis. And the test asks whether, quote, blacks and other minorities have fully realized lives rather than serve as scenery in white stories. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, shit, she's got her own test. (laughs) I love watching movies and going, nope, fail, nope, fail, fail. Exactly. (laughs) And so now and now we have something Mm -hmm. to what's the weight of this character based on race, not just based on, you know, if they're woman or if they're an LGBTQ character, et cetera. Mm. Yeah. And that is that's what I got. Yeah. (laughs) She's amazing, and I'm so excited to see her do more. Yeah. Speaking of intersectionality, right? Mm -hmm. We talk in our humble little podcast Mm -hmm. about women of all ages and races and nationalities, nationalities, religion. You know, we we try so hard to cover as many different women as we possibly can Mm -hmm. and i just think there are so many important stories that we are telling about women Mm -hmm. but there are so many stories about the black community in general Mm -hmm. that haven't been told or Mm -hmm. haven't been given the platform the platform for that and i think she can just do she can do anything and yeah. it, it's going to be presented in such a beautiful, emotional, like smart, mm-hmm. accessible way and have these stories finally fucking like out there for mm-hmm. everyone in the mainstream, in the of- mainstream on a big screen. Yeah. I just think she's so great. <laughs> she's just wonderful. She is. <laughs> that was really great. Thank you. Oh, my, hold on. I always forget my sources, but I used <laughs> I used a little bit of Wikipedia. I used two articles from Wired.com and WashingtonPost.com, and then a big, huge article about her from Smithsonian Magazine. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. Ta-da! <laughs> Ta-da! Look at me. I'm doing my job. <laughs> okay. Is that all we got? That's all we got. That's all we got. Uh, happy one year. Yeah. Happy again, anniversary. To my beautiful wife who edits this fucking. This is not my beautiful wife. <laughs> Thank you to Kiana, my beautiful, incredible co host. Because I tell you what, a year ago, or a little over a year ago, when we were like, should we do this? <laughs> like, I. Man, I did not think. A year. A year. (laughs) I didn't think a year later we would have this much, first of all, this much fucking fun. Mm -hmm. Because this is great. Mm -hmm. But, like, just the amount of knowledge. Yeah. (sighs) We've learned so much. So much. I'm really thankful for both of y'all. Me too. And we're super thankful for you, our beautiful listeners. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. This is this is great. We make this mostly for you guys. You can listen to it because, you know, why else would we do it? But, yeah, it's just been a good time. We don't need to have these microphones. We sure don't. We do, though. We'd have a lot more free time if we weren't doing this. So you're welcome. <laughs> I love that Danny's response to that was just to throw her back, her head back and be like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Ah, okay. All right. Tell them where they can find us, geeks. Oh, yeah. Where? On Instagram? (laughs) (laughs) So our social... I thought I was like, uh, they're listening to it already. They know where to find us. But if you want to find us on our social media accounts... There you go. 
<laughs> We're on Facebook and Instagram at that Broads Got Moxie or on Twitter at Broads Got Moxie. That's right. And now that you're listening to us, go ahead and leave us a five star review. Tell us what you like. I don't know. I've gotten off track. Give, give us stars, rate, review, subscribe. Rate, review, subscribe. Gosh, I don't know why that's so hard <laughs> to a, remember. It's been a year. We forgot. <laughs> we are professionals so far. And then if you have anything you want to tell us, yeah. go ahead and email us at thatbroadscottmoxie at gmail.com. Right. Also, we have a Patreon. We do have a Patreon, so go check that out. We're going to we're gonna get some good stuff up there. There's a really funny outtake up there right now of Kiana trying to say, what was, what was she trying to Perpetuate and perpetrate. Well, that was a shameful moment for me. It was fun. And that's why you have to pay to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, become a patron. We'll send you some goodies. You can listen to us fuck up. Yeah, precisely. (laughs) All right. Well, okay. Bye. Bye. Music by Sage Krenning. Cover art by Vinny Navarrete. Produced and edited by Danielle Barsanti. Side effects of listening to this podcast may include excessive moxie, zero tolerance for the patriarchy, sass mouth, excessive sweating, tipsy tittering, desire to stick into the metaphorical man, fear of cats, empowering women, clammy hands and feet, the inability to do math, lack of patience for the bullshit, thirst for knowledge, questioning the system, cravings for bougie chicken, vodka, and justice, and in some cases can cause death on hills.